everyone. To the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 1st. Uh, I would make a Justin Timberlake, it's going to be May joke, but you know what? The internet had that covered. Um, the Cavaliers now done with spring football. Spring basketball seems to be heating up, at least in some way, shape, or form. Um, could be an interesting few weeks or whatever. Um, but all of that will uh, will have to come sort of uh, come to light because a lot of it is, is happening in the in the deep background. As I've said, like several different places this week, man, everybody's tighter than a tick. Um, so we are going to talk about all that. We'll, we'll talk about the spring game. We'll talk about some of our thoughts coming out of it. Maybe talk a little bit about the fan experience of it, as well as sort of um, where things are on the hoops front. Kyle Guy now starting to pop up on some mock drafts and making a lot of people, uh, myself included, look sort of silly for ever doubting that he uh, was making the right call for, for him. So props to that. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Brad. You know, we're entering the period of the year where our personality has to be what carries the podcast because our brilliant analysis doesn't have games to un- analyze. So I'm a little nervous. Don't have much personality. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on the program. How are you, my friend? I got enough personality for the both of us. Wow. Woo! Wow. Shot out of a cannon. Wow. Not nice. Nice. Not really. Uh, I'm dying a slow death of pollen, so bear with me. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna fight my way through it. Add Justin underscore Fervor on Twitter. Still, you and uh, you and John Snow both. Um, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I I was listening to a podcast uh, yesterday, and it was like, or no, was that today? I don't know what day it is, and. The joke was that the dude was like, "Yeah, when you live in Virginia, there basically there's there's winter, and then there's pollen, and then there's summer." And I was like, "I've never heard anything I agreed with more." Um, all right, speaking of spring, so the Cavaliers have wrapped up spring practice. Fifteen of them in the books. Uh, sounded like from the way Bronco Mendenhall talked Saturday afternoon that the defense getting the better of the offense and the offense steadily sort of clawing back into it was kind of the the way it had gone so far this spring. I'm not surprised by that. I, I think Virginia's defense has a chance to be pretty good and felt like um, even with some of the injuries and whatnot that that defense was still pretty good. Um, and watching on Saturday, even though I know the score ended up being what it was, it was not nearly uh, that close in my estimation. Uh, you guys were not present, but you watched at least part or some or whatever on the stream. Um, we'll get to the whole uh, – how difficult it is to watch something like that when dudes don't have numbers or names on their jerseys in a minute. But in terms of sort of, I don't know, how you felt about what you saw, Dave, did you leave thinking Virginia might win the Coastal Division or did you leave thinking, man, I really hope those dudes who are hurt come back soon? I think they're going to the Final Four, cut down the nets. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's spring football. Like Every time we watch the spring football game, it's – like I feel like yeah, I have the same internal dialogue. Like, well, you know, it, it's such a you don't want one team, one side of the ball to be more dominant than the other, and you probably want the side of the ball you think is weaker to beat the side you think is stronger. And I don't know. So I don't know. They're all they're always tough. Um, but that's our job. That's why you pay me the big bucks. Um, 
I mean, I thought the defense looked really good. Uh, the offense was kind of vanilla, and and that was, I don't know, that was kind of disappointing. But the defense is just, that was my take on from the whole thing. Like, you know, Bryce Perkins didn't have a great day. But when you when your biggest asset is your wills, well, he's, he's a very good passer, but we, I think we'd all agree his biggest asset is just his escapability. When you take that away from him with the two-hand or single-hand touch, um, the defense can be a little more aggressive. That said, I just thought the defense was flying around. They were getting pressure. They were bringing pressure from all different slots. And the DBs, That's the play of the defensive backs and the linebackers is what stood out to me. Um, you know, when you lose Juan Thornhill, uh, you know, got drafted, and, and Tim Harris who got drafted, that's you know two of your starters, and I, and you've got Blunt out and Nelson out, and I thought the defensive backs looked great. So, you know, big ups to Nick Al, who probably deserves a a raise if he if he hasn't gotten one recently, just because he's been that defensive backfield's been good since he walked on campus, and at least improved and have gotten really good over the last couple of years. So, in the offense, it's a lot little tough to tell. Like, you know, obviously you've got to figure out how to replace OZ, and they didn't figure it out on Saturday. Um, the star of the offense for me was was Wayne Talavapapa. Uh, we've got to come up with a nickname for him because I don't want to pronounce that every podcast. Wayne. Yeah, Wayne. Wayne's the real deal, man. Like <laughs> Mr. T. Mr. Yeah, T. You man. know, Talavapapa's really Hawaiian not that difficult for the record. Talavapapa's really not that hard to say. It's not any harder to say than Spence for the record. Just, just. Uh, it's harder to sick spell burn. though. That's true. Yeah, it's harder to spell. I'll give you that. But I mean, he looks like the real deal. Um, you know, he's his first. He, he's got really good burst, and you know, he gets back to f- speed really quick when he cuts and he runs with power. So I, I can see why there were so many articles written about him during practice and why he is the starter going into fall. But overall, I mean, negatives. Um, you know, Bryce threw a couple bad balls, but uh, you know, at this point, don't doesn't the defense know all the offensive plays? So. I don't know. Uh, the kicking, the kicking still looks a little suspect. And that was very weird. Um, the, Why was wait? Pause. Like, Why was it very weird? What was very weird? The, the kicker thing, like after the stop, they'd run out four guys to kick, and if it was a field goal or okay, four so. guys to punt, if it was a punt, that was that was a little odd. No, they um, wouldn't. They weren't four. They were they were basically getting they were doubling the reps. So everybody, so instead of just kicking one PAT, Delaney would kick from one spot and then. AJ would kick from one spot and then Delaney would kick from another spot. So they basically were just doubling it up so that they got max. They got more opportunities uh, see, to kick. See, watching on the stream, you could have told me it was eight because they all look alike. <laughs> they don't have, they don't. No, I mean, yeah. like, so, yeah. you could watch one of them. I mean, with the stream, you're, you're not able to see the whole depth, no. but like they would basically, Delaney would come and he would kick and then there would be a ball already spotted and then they, you know, Mejia would kick. And in that process of Mejia getting ready to kick, they would re- have another ball that, uh, that the snapper and the holder and, um, and Delaney would run to and then they would kick. Um, so basically, I think each I think each end of possession score, what have you, they got to each each yeah, uh, four total kicks. Com- yeah. Competitor got two two opportunities. If gotcha. that's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That's that's all my analysis. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, the guy without a number had a huge game. The play he made to the guy without a number <laughs> was great. I thought the guy that without a number did a great job on defense a couple of times. And I was really impressed with the guy without a number on the offensive line. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it's it's 
you know, it's a uh, it's impressive how you know you you can you watch these guys play, you have an idea of who they are, and then you completely forget who they are when they take their number off. <laughs> like, um, I feel like something's got to be done about that, but I guess they don't really care what we think, which is fine. Like, we don't, we're not really that important. Um, I don't know. We're not helping, I'm, I'm important. Well, we're not helping them win games, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, but honestly, like, I, I try not to put too much stock in what I see in the spring game because, again, as Bronco has made it clear throughout his time here, it's just another practice, um, and sometimes it's even handled like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the wide receiver thing has to sort itself out, and I'm not surprised that they had, you know, there's a void there because, as I've been saying since the Belk Bowl, you can't just. OZ isn't the kind of guy you just take out of the lineup and plug somebody else in and assume you're going to get that production or even close. I mean, 100 reception guys don't grow on trees. They're not easy. I mean, you can have a system that can that can pump those guys out, um, but UVA has yet to show an ability to do that. I mean, OZ is just kind of like a unique player. I'm, I'm not saying they can't do that. I'm just saying if Billy Kemp or, or Tavares Kelly or whoever breaks out this year – it will be an encouraging sign in that maybe it was, you know, a good scheme fit for OZ as well as his talent and not just his talent overcoming whatever. And and we've talked for a long time about their decision or whatever not to use the middle of the field. Um, and we saw in the bowl game they really started doing that, particularly in the red zone, and it led to some touchdowns. So I'm interested to see, you know, what they do when you don't have a guy like OZ and you're relying more on guys that are less, you know, experienced or still growing within their role. But obviously they added two guys this week um, from the grad transfer market, and those guys aren't necessarily slot guys. But um, I think that they could definitely help if they can get everything down and, and obviously get acclimated and everything in time. For camp, and I think that those guys are both talented, especially Brissett is a little bit more proven, um, and I'm interested to see how they do. But, yeah, I, again, I'm impressed with the DBs. that The depth there is good, and obviously they've shown an ability to develop players over time. Like, to be quite honest with you, I never thought Tim Harris would get drafted um, based on what we saw his first few years and then with the injuries. I mean, it's rare that a six-year guy gets drafted at all, right, just because of the age and the injury issues, but – that kind of speaks volumes about their ability to develop players and then obviously his individual skill set. But um, even with the guys that were hurt out, I think that they still showed that um, some of the down-the-line guys are going to be capable players. And even last year we saw that at times when when there were some, you know, not necessarily like big injuries. I mean, Joey Blunt missed some time. But, you know, you you feel okay when your fourth, fifth guy has to come in the game and, and play slot corner. I think that – you spend so much time in the nickel, you have to have some depth there, and it's encouraging to see them able to develop players. And again, we haven't even seen what we're going to get from the freshman class that hasn't come in yet. Yeah, I thought, um, I guess Heskin Smith is the name we're going by now, right? Not Sean. The um, artist formerly known as Sean Smith, who did not they, play two years ago. Yeah, I mean, he was a receiver two years ago, right? And he looked yeah, really he, good. He never saw the field. I mean, he never played, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> He was a receiver, receiver two years ago, and I mean he looked really good, man. Like, and then you with Nelson, we know when Nelson, we know Nelson can play the the nickel corner and be a safety. And then you got Chris Moore back, and Devontae Cross looked really, really good. Looks like he's finally found a home. Um, he's a guy who, like, I think we all underestimate his athleticism, but it's there, like, freakishly there. It's just why we underestimated, I don't know, but. 
I guarantee we all do. And, um, yeah, it's just a loaded backfield. And the linebackers, yeah, obviously we've got to replace the, the pass rush from Chris Peace, and we don't have a true I- idea if that's happened yet because it, it's pretty easy to sack the quarterback when all you got to do is touch him. Um, but the other thing we did mention, is the defensive line, like, they were solid all day, and they're missing. They've got a lot of a lot of reinforcements coming. So that side of the ball, I feel very comfortable about. What's interesting? Yeah, it really seems like they have a plan developed there, and mm-hmm. and like the the I don't want to say next man up, but it seems like there's maybe more like succession planning there than we have on the offensive side of the ball so far. But I mean, I'm not saying the offense won't get there, but um, I think the defense is a little further along in like the roster development part. And I also think too, if you think about the guys who were hurt on the on the offensive side, right? So you're talking about their most experienced offensive lineman, you know, one of their you know most experienced wide receivers. Um, they their quarterback obviously was back, but this was you know he hadn't done a lot of throwing over over uh, the winter, um, and there's still a question at running back. So if you think about some of the pieces that were not out there live, it makes a little sense that the offense would be a little bit further behind because the defense, I mean, look, that defensive line got a lot of experience last year, right? The linebackers, I mean, they basically, yeah, you, you miss Chris Peace, but everybody else is there. Um, Secondary-wise, yeah, you, you don't have Juan Thornhill and, and Tim Harris, but a lot of those dudes were getting you know a lot of reps. And so it doesn't surprise me that the defense was a little bit uh, further along. The thing that I found interesting was, one – because of the injuries, you, you, you got a chance to see, you know, you, you guys are talking about Smith and I mean, there were dudes that were getting time on Saturday that I'm pretty sure will not be focal points or starters or even maybe even heavy rotation guys at their spots. And I'm not, I, I mean, maybe that's just what happens when, when you have good succession planning. I mean, for the most part, when I've covered Virginia, their football team has been awful. Um, their planning has been atrocious. Uh, there, there has been no succession planning, right? Um, and so maybe that's just what it l- looks like. You know, you put you put you know dudes in there that haven't necessarily played a lot yet, and you're like, oh wow, this guy can actually do this pretty well. Um, which kind of I think underscores just sort of the 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 thought process of hey, maybe those dudes that uh, that they're developing or you know that we see on the field, there's actually more to it, and that is only going to make for a better football team down the road. Um, I'm still, I, I still, I, I'm still a little bit surprised that they housed South Carolina the way they did, but I think a lot of it goes into that they just worked their tail off, um, and I and I think Bronco and his group have a good, have a really good gauge. You know, the knobs are are turned right in terms of like getting these kids further along. You know, like they don't stay off balance long, right? Like they're they're really yeah. good at like you put a kid in a spot and he 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 starts to produce some yield for you. Um, I, that's the second time this week I've used yield, and I'm 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 starting to sound like Bronco Mendenhall. Um, I, I also thought, yeah, I know. Offensively, Terrell Jana was was probably the dude that surprised me the most. Not that like I doubted he was good, but more of in the sense of um, I thought his routes were much better than I remember them being. Now whether that's me or whether that's him, I'm not sure. Um, but it makes you think. Um, when not just they get the two grad transfers, which I'm, I'm always a little bit more, I'm not weary of grad transfers. I, I think you have to sort of, I, don't I think weary is fine. I think, I mean, 
you know, you know, it's very boomer bust. Yeah, there you go. And boom not bust. even boom sometimes. Sometimes it's just like, okay, you know, whatever. It's a guy. Yeah. And what you kind of need from those dudes, quite honestly, is guys who are just going to come out and, and, and compete and, and every once in a while contribute. Like, you're not looking to one of them. It's not, it's not like on the basketball side where you're like, hey, man, we would really appreciate if you come score 15 points a game. That'd be great. Um, you know, it's you, you look at them like they just need to, you know, be physical, block down field, make some third down catches, you know, because I really believe that the bulk of the offense is going to come down to, to Haas, to, to Reed uh, and to um, Bryce just being Bryce. You know, like it's not to say Jana's not going to have a bunch of catches, not going to say that, you know, they don't need to figure out something with Kemp and Kelly because they do not to say that any of the young kids that they're bringing in this summer aren't going to make a, an impact. Um, I still think that they need to, you know, if it's Talapapa or if it's PK or if it's uh, Mike Hollins or whoever, um, that running game needs to, you know, there needs to be some um, some support there. But offensively, like, isn't it really ultimately going to come down to just, you know, Bryce and how, you know, well teams take him away? Um, if, yeah. if what we've heard about, you know, sort of his development and the sort of way he was sort of coached last year to, to sort of read and go, if he's able to, to have more progression, that makes him an especially uh, better you know what I mean? Like that makes them if he's able to do it, you know, that makes him a very different animal. So offensively, I thought yeah. it made sense to me why they were a little bit behind. But, you know, at the same time, I think there's a lot to like. I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of where I am with the football program as, as a whole. You know, this is going into Broncos fourth years as the head coach. If you look at position group. You know, look at the position groups and how they are. You know how they how the depth and roster planning is and the talent. Not, and and relate that to the scheme they run. There's not a position. There's not a position group on defense that isn't significantly better than it was two years ago, um, in depth and talent in the scheme they run. Right, the defensive backfield, even losing, even losing a couple guys of the draft, is really good. The linebackers, even losing Chris Peace, are really good. The defensive line with um, with the guys coming back, you know, we lost Dylan Thompson basically, but you've got, you know, Chris look really good. Uh, you've got handback back. You've got you know, Redmond in the second year, Reed in the second year. Um, I'm trying to think who I'm missing, but and then you've got you know the big guys coming in, Briggs and Smiley. So that position as a whole is not only better; it's probably there. There are guys who can run the three four, which is something Al Gross struggled with in that defense. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball, um, the quarterback position with, you know, look, Bryce makes up for a lot of deficiencies. And then Brennan Armstrong has some, he looks like a really solid quarterback. You know, we've only seen him in limited spurts, but he looks really good for for what they're trying to do with the offense. Um, wide receiver, you're missing your OZ piece, but I think that, you know, it's getting bet. It's probably a step back from last year, but they're addressing it with a couple of grad transfers. That's probably an area they need to. And the offensive line, now we don't know what they're going to be, but as far as depth and numbers, it's the most we've had in a long time, which is really good. Um, my one issue with the team is now I think we have a defensive identity. Now we've recruited a different kind of quarterback. And we know what this, what this staff was when they came in, you know, the, the play fast, play, you know, fast, fast, fast. Like, when are we going to see that? And, and I'm not sure this year isn't the year we should start to see it. Um, the defense should be really good. They, they should be able to absorb a couple of three and outs in a quick way you know, with the depth they have. So if, if not now, like why not now? Um, you've got Bryce Perkins. You've got offensive line depth. 
going quick can sometimes sometimes help offset the deficiencies of not having no Z. So I'm wondering if we'll start to see more tempo as as we get to the season. I'd like to. I don't know if we need to go like BYU fast when when they had Mangum, but I mean not Mangum, uh, Taysom Hill. But I think it's time to to add some no huddle to what we do. I'm not the offensive coordinator or the coach, but for me, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing as the fall comes on. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you can add it situationally, that would be great. Um, I, again, I don't know if they're at the point where they can be going like Oregon fast all the time, and I don't know if that would be to their benefit, but I think that there are situations where we saw this year where it seemed like UVA probably could have put the pedal down and, and really made some hay in the in the hurry up. Um, the second half of that Virginia yeah. Tech game, I mean, they didn't really go hurry up, but they went a lot quicker. And it really seemed like they kind of had them on their heels. Yeah, and when, when you're missing a guy like OZ and you don't, you know, and and I think Kelly and Kemp and, and, and Hasis, they're going to have good years. Joe Reed, you know, they're going to be good, but I don't know that we can expect any of them to be a 100-catch guy like you were saying. Yeah. Um, the, the but thing what that, you, what you can offset that is by just going no – even if it doesn't mean going every 15 seconds, if you just go to the line of scrimmage and get the play call so the defense can't – you know, so you can take advantage of matchups with the guys you have. Um, like I think there is a there is a place for it. I, I haven't heard you mention of it. It's a little surprising given that that was such a big discussion when they came in. Yeah, um, defenses follow what they said. The offense hasn't. I uh, I want to I don't want to play devil's advocate as much as I want to sort of counterpoint it just because I I somewhat I I, I see where you're coming from on the tempo thing. I guess my thing is right now, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Like, um, like I f- maybe they're going to get to a place where they're recruiting, you know, high three, high, low f- four, solid four-star kids, and you can sort of run that. And, I mean, one of the things that BYU was able to do, right, is that a lot of those dudes were older. They're bigger. They're stronger, right? And they've been in the system f- for a long, long time. Oregon runs it because they had well they were supposed to have you know elite talent I just don't know if if UVA's best course of action um is to go that way as much as it is I I do think situationally it's the right call but I think situationally they did some of that last year where they sort of got going and and Dr. Bob as we've talked about a lot on this pod uh over the years like he has a tendency at times to to speed up to run the same play right to run you know speed up and run a draw um I don't, I'm not saying I'm I'm totally against it. I'm just saying that like it makes sense to me why it hasn't been mentioned, right? Which is they feel like they've got something on offense. Why why change it up? That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if because that that feels more like a Brennan Armstrong thing than a Bryce thing. Bryce just has this sort of I mean because also too like Bryce is carrying a lot, right? And I know when I say carrying, I don't mean the ball. I mean like the offense, right? To ask him to run and then run back. And then you know what I'm saying, like to put he like he he probably needs those few seconds uh, to sort of regroup and 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 I also think too they're still in the place where they like moving pieces around too much. So I'm not saying I'm against it. Um, you can hold your email. Don't send me, you know, cards or you know smoke signals and such about how much you hate what I'm saying. Um, I just feel like it makes sense to me with the offense going the way it has gone for them not to try to change up. Like really what they're trying to do now is fine tune it and make it better, not necessarily overhaul it. And I do think that in order to do what you're describing, it would basically be an overhaul. Am I wrong about that? Do you think? 
I mean, I think if you do it situationally, you don't yeah, necessarily yeah, have to yeah, change yeah, no, a whole no, lot. No, yeah. But you have to change the personnel changes. Like, you can't be subbing people in and out right. every play like they right. do with the wide receiver group specifically. The big thing that people forget about with Tempo, and the reason that they really didn't go to it, is, for one, you have the offensive stuff. But also, if your defensive line depth isn't where it needs to be, then going Tempo and having your defense out there, you know, a ton of plays isn't good. Um I don't necessarily think that they should overhaul anything, but I think sometimes if you have the right matchups out there, you can exploit it. Um, and I think that they had a tendency last year to kind of pull off chunk play, chunk play, chunk play into the red zone. If you can do that and carry that momentum into the red zone where they struggled last year, um, I think that you could maybe get something out of that. As far as the it's not broke, don't fix it, I think that their offense was much better this year, but I don't think that it was elite. So, I mean, I think that if you feel like you could situationally throw that stuff in there to take you to the next level, then go for it. But the one thing I will say for this staff is they have shown an ability to kind of scrap stuff that doesn't seem like it's working. Um, you know, like they, they tried to go fast in year one, and they realized it just wasn't a good fit. Um, there were, you know, Bronco talked last year during the bye week about you know, getting rid of the dead plays. And I think that they were able to do that to some extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to figure out what you don't want to, you don't want to tinker yourself into yeah. mediocrity, but at the same time, I think if you can find like little wrinkles that help you, like maybe speeding up from time to time, I think that that could help. Yeah. I mean, and, and the schedule doesn't set up well to a major overhaul of your offense. Like, cause I mean, you've got two ACC yeah. games in the first, what, two, three weeks. Right. Um, you don't want to come in playing something new at Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I, I don't expect to see it there. But situationally, yes. You know, uh, and, and I don't think you need to be afraid of it, even if you're faking it, even if you line up quick and then and then sub out. I just think keeping the – when you've got a guy like Bryce Perkins, you know, we've been on the other side of that many times as Virginia fans. And sometimes just the threat of going fast is enough. Um, you know, if you've got a matchup you like and you don't really want to run it but they don't change – and you run the play, sure, but that's I, I I agree. Like I don't think it's the time for a complete overhaul, just because I think the team has the potential to have a a really good year. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the coastal, and I think it's a little premature with with the offensive line things and the, and the wide receiver question marks. But it's open. Like that, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, yeah, I've been particularly in the winter for the last ten years, so eventually they will. Uh, but especially starting on the road with Pittsburgh and having Florida State early, I, I think a little a little bit of tweak here and there is good. And it's just I, I don't I don't know. I mean, you've got Bryce Perkins is just so good. So anytime you can, he should be used as a threat for the a threat to the defense because they're scared of him. Trust me, uh, like I would be. Um, so if it means just occasionally running up to the lawn, and even if it is running the same play, if you just put that fear in the back of their head, all you need to do is make those guys a half step slow, and he can make things happen. You know, that's a good point. And, and as you were talking, I started playing devil's advocate to my own devil's advocate. Um, ooh, is that a title? <laughs> is that a title? I don't know. Um, and I'm thinking, People are going to start to think that we're coming up with these ahead of time. And no, working at it. we really don't. We really don't. We, just, we do as little in advance as possible. Seriously, I have, a notebook, I have a notepad next to me that says episode 309, and then there's white space. And then as somebody says something, I scribble it down. Now, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know what, though? Bryce Perkins is a heck of a weapon. And even if you could just rush to the line 
and then just freeze. You know, again, to Ferber's point, like you'd have to stick with the personnel you got. So you'd have to pick a group and you would have to just be okay with that, right? You'd have to be able to Yeah. To and you just, have to be able to look at what the other team has and say like we feel like we have the upper hand. Right. Cuz if you don't, then obviously what would be the point of keeping that group out there? <laughs> well, I guess we we said we were going to do it, so let's do it even though this is a horrible matchup for us. Now, I I do think that there's some value and certainly situationally I think they should go a little faster, but um what I find super interesting though is that we've now talked more about them going fast than we have the actual spring game itself. Um, which I think is sort of underscored because we couldn't like, I'm, I know these dudes from high school, right? I watched them. I go to practices and I'm like, all right, uh, Rankins Meyer is wearing white tights. Uh, so-and-so has uh, an orange, uh, sweatband. Uh, so-and-so has, uh, this color cleats or this color gloves. Uh, Look, I do this for a living and it's, I could not, I mean, like I was basically relying on one of you guys only watching on the stream to tell me who somebody was. Cause from the press box, I couldn't tell if we, if, if we think Virginia football is really going to get serious. And I think they are, I think they're, they're on the way up I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. They're, they're, this recruiting class is better than the first two they had. Um, they've done a nice job of getting 2020 off to a good start. Um, man, if you want to get, if you want the program to grow, you kind of got to do a little bit to help. And I get that, you know what? They're not going to have numbers. Like that's a that's a culture thing. You're not going to just uproot it. Uh, I know one of you guys tossed out the idea of you know have them have numbers, you know, one through whatever, just based on alphabet, you know, alphabetical name and such. My thing is like this: Look, at birth they were given names. Okay, like they didn't have to earn those. Like there's a little piece of paper somewhere. Uh, that's that has that name like there's no reason they can't have names on their jerseys now numbers I get it's a cultural thing cool you can earn it all right no reason they can't have names and I think that it wouldn't be a bad thing for them at least if it, it maybe you don't do it every practice but man for the for that game especially because Broncos intent as he as he has stated is to hopefully split it up and do a real game I mean I can just tell you just from being there like I think that people who came were really excited to be there and they were certainly enjoying what they saw but they weren't like really into it and I think part of that's because they couldn't tell what was happening like yeah you saw you know blue jerseys against white jerseys but you really couldn't tell and I can't even imagine how bad that was on the stream if you didn't have somebody who was telling you who they were right yeah, I mean, yeah. Covington was really good. <laughs> I mean, it was really good at name because I think you and I had a debate a couple of times whether it was Hasis who made the catch because Hasis mir- miraculously from Thursday's hero last week till the game lost a cast, which is kind of mind-boggling to me. Like, I mean, <laughs> um, but he didn't have his cast on on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, I'll let Justin go off on the on the thing because I know he has it. But um, <laughs> like, yeah. They've got to be something. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. Like I understand, I'm not going to get into the whole attendance of a spring game debate because I think this year Virginia fans deserve a little bit of slack because a lot of them are. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not worried about the, the country. Part. I'm worried about the like um, engagement. But part. yeah, but even watching it on, on on TV, like a little bit of tweak would be helpful. Um, I mean, I guess the good news is like your opponents are probably aren't going to sit down and try to figure out who that player was. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah they're not going to turn that, that thing on and be like, they're going to turn that thing on and be like, nope, <laughs> we're not watching the Brothers Without Banners for two hours. <laughs> oh, that was such a niche joke. Oh, I loved it. Oh, God. I don't think it's a niche joke. That's true. <laughs> it's it's Game of Thrones is kind of huge. People- 
what I'm talking about. No, uh, well, also, that's really no excuse for not knowing that Brandon Armstrong is left-handed and Lindell's is right Listen, I wasn't paying any attention at that point to the to <laughs> where the ball came from. I just saw I, – I, look, I'll be real. I saw a white dude at, with an orange jersey. Name. They don't have numbers on the back, and Davis like not – he's left-handed, though, so <laughs> I don't know. All right. Let's uh let's 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 get to the uh the basketball stuff. Um but oh, first uh, we haven't got a rant about the numbers yet. No, um, no, we just had a we had a whole Alexa stop. Um I, I don't uh I think that's the first time that she's ever done that. Um it it doesn't I'm not saying we have to have like a full on thing about no, it. We like, just kind of no, have a full on like, thing I'm, about it. Yeah, I guess my point I, I didn't want to step on Justin's toes but he don't want to chime in. I, I'll well. step on um, his toes, I don't care. <laughs> um Look, I, I look. I understand the culture thing, and earning a number, and I will not, I will not step on that because what Broncos done in this program in, in three years, like you have to applaud them, right? Like everyone's bought in, recruits buy it, it's working. If that's what they have to have, you know, if having your own number has got to be that, that way, I'm fine with it. But also, like, there's a part of me that's like, I agree, that kind of the name thing would would be okay. But even numbers, like, you know. The way he does spring practice, he's done it the last two years, so I don't expect we'll see a change. Is they basically practice one day, take a day off, practice the next day. There's no reason that like the day off before the spring game, they couldn't do a number draft based on spring performance or just randomly assign numbers and give a roster out. I, I do think it, it something's got to be done just to make it easier for the casual fan. Um, and the casual fan is not going to help them win games, so I'm, I'm kind of torn, but... Maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's me. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's I me. I, 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 think, for. I think it's a bridge too far to ask them to have yeah. a specific draft just for spring. Again, the names, born with them. They're their names. They're yeah. already there. Even just, if it's on Sharpie, write it on the front. Well, okay. No, no <laughs> Sharpies. All right, Ferber, before I move on to our first ad break, do you have anything else on the on the numbers thing that we have not covered? No, I think that's it. Okay, good. See, I stepped up. But see, this is what he gets for, for saying on on Twitter the other day that, like, people who, you know, he crosses the street and they hustle up, and he hustles up, and then that other person <laughs> doesn't do it, you know, and then he feels bad because he doesn't want to be associated with that person. Like, he, he was totally talking about me. I know he no, was. Yeah, no We've one, walked around enough cities no together. Be, no one see, wants to be associated with it, bad people, Brad. But that's the thing is if you think I'm talking about I you, know that's your I'm joke, but that's fine. You. I don't care. You're, you're talking about me, and I didn't appreciate it. Uh, the Cavs Corner Podcast brought Get to you... Get across the street. <laughs> Cavs Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by Ask Landis, um, a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Serving Central Virginia for the past decade, owner Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and their businesses as they provide a turnkey solution for those who need a little help getting from point A to point B. Um, you've heard us talk about Ask Landis a lot. Um, we, we, we obviously, uh, you know, they, they provide a service, right? They're going to help you um, whether it's you know stuff you want to get recycled, maybe you've got um, I don't know you, you it's spring. There are lots of people putting their houses on the market. Maybe that's what you're into. Uh, maybe you just have a, a loved one who who needs to get some spaces cleared out. Whatever that case may be, let Stephen and Brandon do the work for you and help to declutter your life. You can give the folks at Ask Landis a call today for a free consultation. Hit them up 434-249-8383, or you can visit asklandis.com for more. That's A S K L A N D I S dot com. Our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so there have been no additions. There's been, like, other than, like, most of the staff rolling deep to Henry Coleman's house, um, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement other than dudes whose name were on the grad transfer front committee in other places. 
I don't get the sense that people are freaking out though, and I, I'm kind of proud. Now I do have you know a handful of folks who are like, hey, well, well you know what's happening? Um, what do you, what's the general as you guys you know whether it's on the board or you know wherever? What's your general sense of sort of the uh, what's the 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 mood of the room so to speak right now? I think your freakouts will start once Juzang makes an announcement. Uh-huh. If he were to come into Kentucky, I think your freakout level will start showing up. Um, do, all right, pause. Do we think? Do all right. Let's be real. Do, the the of the Virginia fans who know who he is, how many of them are genuinely expecting him to pick UVA? I mean, See, that's I, I the thing, though, is people will do that defense mechanism thing where they say, yeah. I don't really think he's coming, but then they get their hopes up uh, at the same time, and then when it doesn't happen, they get pissed. Yeah, and yeah, I agree, man. That's, just, that's the... It's like the Virginia yeah. Tech football game. It's like, we're never going to beat those guys. We're <laughs> never going to beat those guys. And then when they lose again, they get mad. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, I think once he makes a decision, if it's not Virginia, um, not that we know anything, so don't be... Yeah, 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 yeah. We really... Yeah. Brad usually shows like juicy details for us, and he's got nothing on this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's probably part of the reason people aren't freaking out. And and plus, you know, they're just getting their championship gear they ordered, so they're that's all they're all excited. Not so. that Dave's speaking from personal experience or anything. I feel no, like every day or something, you send another picture of something that you've added to something, right? Whether well, it's it's all, like, it was all ordered like the day of the championship. That's I mean the day after or the morning after. That's the crazy thing. So wait, did but you yeah, did, so. not not to not to go off on a complete tangent here? But did you bid on those towels? No. Oh my gosh! It doesn't right. end. It doesn't end till like Friday. All so. right, let me. So the the athletic department. <laughs> Don't uh, be telling people about it, man. Well, it's too late now. I've already brought it up. I'm not going to give them the link. It's not going to be like in the app or anything. Um, yeah, that's hard to find. They're doing the uh, the uh, the public. Um, it's not a raffle, Lord Brad. Um, yeah, it's Gov deals. It's where they have yeah. to sell their overstock. So basically, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up for auction. And one of the one of the things that you can bid on is a set of towels from the Final Four. One of them is a final. One of them's an Elite Eight. One of them's a Final Four, and one of them is is one of them a championship? No, one of them is a is a be, is no, a bench towel. Final Four. Um, yeah. So it's like two regular size towels and a small one. And I mean, dude, like I don't know why, but like no I saw carpets, that, which is disappointing. <laughs> yeah, the carpet thing. Was no, funny. those are all in Minneapolis. Still, apparently, <laughs> you can't take those anywhere. Um. Man, I don't know why, but like I saw those towels and I was like, dude, I don't want one of those towels. I don't know what it was about the towels. I I don't know. I, now, granted, I I I hawked everything. Like the yeah. The, what do you what did you what did you come back with? I have. I mean, I've got uh, I've got my little nameplate. Um, oh man, I didn't take mine. Yeah. See. Uh huh. Um, I got my nameplate. I've that. got. I didn't want to get like arrested for trying to take it or something. I mean, why would you guys? You're just journalists who are covering the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some level, like this is a professional achievement, so I'm, you know, uh, I don't care. Um, yeah, but I've got my, I've got my, <laughs> Mama, we made it. Uh, I got my nameplate. I've got uh, some dude came walking past with like a bunch of programs, and I don't know. At, yeah, I got one. At some point, I I'm supposed was to like, give it to Dave, but I thought he'd probably forget by now. Well, mine's still in the bag. But then, did you, did list. you, did you catch that? Like they were, they were saying that like if you, if you, if you're gonna take these home with you and you're on a plane, make sure you put them. You don't like put them in your like checked luggage i think it has like a thing inside of it like a hologram or something i couldn't tell if it was like that or if like they legit thought people were gonna steal them and i was like are they that valuable because no i think it was like there's something inside the book that would like set off the the carry-on bag thing i also brought back like a bunch of confetti 
Um, no, you can't. Yeah, no, you can't hit me up for confetti. I've already, you know, all the all it's of been my people. To some people on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. Uh, there, there. But let's just say that there were a lot of mouths to feed on the confetti front. All right. Um, I, uh, I oh, the confetti tour. front. That's a good one. Hold on. I gotta write that down. I didn't know, Ferber. You're not supposed to stop talking. <laughs> I took a I took a box score. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah, they the guy handed me once. I said, "Yeah, this will be nice." So I, I kept that. I also have the confetti. Uh, I have the stat. I have the stat feed still up on my in my browser. I, I haven't closed. I don't know why. Like I kept think. I kept. You know, what's funny is that be, other than the uh, NBA decisions, I actually was thinking. You know what? Next week, I'll do a rewatch for the Elite Eight, for the Final Four, and for the championship game. Right, and then all hell broke loose, and I was like, okay. Um, all right, wait, we're we're way off topic. All right, so you guys genuinely don't you, you think the freak out will come? I genuinely, I, you know, I think you're probably right. I don't know if if folks have really sort of processed like if they weren't to add anybody, like what that would actually look like. But I think, I think the freak out happens if mommy says he's staying. Yeah, especially now that it doesn't look like he got a uh, an in- invite to the combine. Yeah. Um. All right, Kyle guy was not on any mock that I saw prior to him deciding to announce prior to him announcing that he was staying in the draft. And now he seems to be, I don't want to say he's like, you know, you know, shooting up with a bullet, but like dude is, it seems like most of the, most of the places that I see, you know, mocks he's there. And that I don't, I, I mean, maybe there's a, a, a time frame discrepancy in my brain but like i didn't know they could do workouts this must be solely on yeah rep Um, see this that's the thing it's the same thing with the nfl draft though players don't move up the boards it's people get better information about the boards Mm, good point so it's not necessarily like oh people value kyle guy in a way they didn't two weeks ago it's that the people that do these mocks are talking to more people and they're finding out the teams have him where they have him and so they start showing up in mock drafts all the time. It's like the same with Should the NFL draft. Us? It's like it's like Daniel Jones didn't start skyrocketing up the board. Um, you know, he was where he was, and people just found out. Also, I'd like to take a, a victory lap on being the first person on that corner before that corner got filled up with everyone last weekend. <laughs> yeah, they were all they were all riding the bus that you were driving. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, we but had yeah, I mean, we I had think, an entire segment basically be, where you just bashed the dude for. Like I mean, I don't, I, I'm not. It's nothing against him personally. Like, I don't. I, I don't want him to fail. Well, now I do because he's with the Giants. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. But back to Kyle. Um, I think that I kind of. I mean, during the regular season, I saw him in a mock or two. But I mean, that's so far out. It's hard to project. I didn't see him in any recently though until this week, last week, and it seems like. That screams to me that somebody knows something. I don't know what they know because he's being mocked to different teams. The the team I always see him mocked to for some reason is the Hornets, um, even like earlier in the season. But oh, dude, they they heard they 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 know they know I was sitting next to Cup Check that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you playing you playing the. It's all me. Curse yeah, I don't. Kyle's gonna have an NBA know. career because of me. But you will see players it's, mocked to specific teams a lot, and sometimes there's something to it. Sometimes it's just like a need thing. But like you always see Ty mock to the Sixers. I don't know if they're tied to him in some way, but I mean maybe it's just a fit. But y- y- sometimes there's something to it. Yeah, someone had Kyle. Mo- I can't remember who it was. I sent you guys a link today, but right. someone had Kyle mo- mock to the Sixers today. But yeah, it's kind of fitting that you know Kyle. Even if you think just first team all ACC, I feel like no one really talked about him this year, and then boom, there he was again. Like, he's just 
sneaks around the chicken coop, you know. He's always, he's wins, always there. Wins final, you know, final four most yeah. outstanding yeah, the final player. Four, everyone's talking about how good Dre and Todd play. Who's the MOP? Like, he had 19, yeah. scored 19 and a half per game, man. And we were talking about me and Dave actually before he declared like he could be one of very few players that could have been a three-time first-team All-ACC guy. Yeah. Um, and you can argue whether he should have been first-team over Ty Dre or whatever. But I mean, Dre was. But um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of he might be like the most low-key like legend at a school. I mean, because I think part of it is because he he's he came in and will leave with two others. So it, it, he kind of, if he had been here by himself, you know, he'd be on a different level, maybe kind of like Sean Singletary. Yeah, that's we, we think about the think about the three point shooters. You know, Virginia fans will name like Curtis Staples first, right? And then, you know, the, the ones who are really into it will bring up Billet because he was so good. You know, the little bit of time he was here. Um, but, you know, Keith Collins Real, just, Keith Real, <laughs> yeah, that's the other one. I was trying to think of the third one who clearly defeated my argument. Um, yeah, Kyle's just so good. When when he declared that early, like something was up. Um, but then then you started seeing people say, like, look, there's some people who have him really high on the boards. Um, I mean, I think we all understand that, you know, Kyle's probably never – there's probably nothing Kyle could have done. We talked about it on the last podcast. Nothing he could have done to become a lottery pick short of growing six inches, you know. Um, Which would have been super weird. Yeah, it would have been – I mean, Ralph Sampson did that at Virginia. You know that? Like. Samson grew, grew like four inches. Oh, okay. He grew multiple inches. I think it was three or four inches. Samson grew between his freshman and senior. If, if you disagree with with Dave's take, please send send him the email. No, I've got a phone. Well, I've got Ke- a phone. Kihei, yeah. Kihei, Kihei Clark has grown three or four inches from real Kihei Clark to uh, media guy Kihei Clark. <laughs> <laughs> True <laughs> enough. Maybe not um, three or four, but but a, but a few. Yeah, Chris so likes to. He's he's way shorter than I think that he's listed. Did they list him at five nine two because he's like five six and a half. Yeah, because I remember seeing those guys square up and was like, "Wow, Kihei's like towering over this guy." <laughs> Kihei walked up and was like, "Wow, this is fun." But yeah, I mean, with Kyle, it's uh, I, we've gone over that. I mean, like I think you know he's proved what he needed to prove. I don't think necessarily. I'm not trying to read into the whole like why did he stay in the draft so early part of it. I don't necessarily think. I actually think it's probably unlikely that he's gotten a promise from a team already because it's like really early for that um and they didn't have to offer that so early usually you see that a little closer to the process where you'll see guys like not working out because they've been promised a a spot in the first round or whatever but a second round guy there's no reason to kind of shut it down because you want to improve that stock if you're a projected first round pick you get the guaranteed contract and all that so you could maybe not want to risk injury or whatever but it seems like he's going to go all the way through the process well, and here's the thing too. I feel like, on some level, and we we kind of got to get back to the UVA side of this whole thing in a second, but um, I kind of feel like on some level he got a real boost from the fact that he had declared that he was he he basically declared, but then said he was going to leave the door open, and then he closed it. There, I don't know what it, you know. It's like a, it's like when you find out that like a football player is like good at other things other than football, and people like freak out. Right there's a whole Josh Rosen thing because like he comes from wealth and you, you, know, you, you have yeah, other yeah. options. Yeah, exactly. Like there's this idea that like if you're not like totally dedicated to it, that like you you know they can't understand you. Well, then like he closes that door and the whole actually you know hashtag no parachute thing, and it's like oh well he's really into this. That's yeah, you know, and I don't know if like 
if they're if that's a real thing, but it certainly feels like a thing. Like they take those dudes more seriously than they do if you're thinking about coming back. I don't know if, if that makes any sense, well, but it also that could be the reason that he's showing up at more mocks because somebody that's creating a mock might just be saying like, well, I know this guy's staying in, and yeah. I have all these other guys that I don't know if they're going to stay in. So why should I put them in my draft? You know, yeah. I think um, from the from the UVA side of things, it certainly seems like um, you know coming out of live period. You know, they they wanted to shore up 2020. I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, several days later they they take a visit to uh, Henry Coleman's house. Um, I, I, I never got the sense that that was expected by anybody to be like a, and I don't think UVA pushed and talking to folks today, it didn't sound like they pushed for a commitment or anything like that. They didn't roll up with like the uh, the national championship trophy and the stroller, somebody on the board uh, joked. But I do think it, it my understanding was that, uh, the family in you know basically said hey we would love to host you guys and UVA was like okay let's do it and and then rolled down with three coaches and i think that, that sort of speaks to the relationship there i know some folks are getting frustrated with with Coleman's recruitment probably because you've heard about him for too long like i, I get i think that there is definitely like some with some recruits there's some like recruit fatigue where like you you know the ins and outs of their games you know the ins and outs of the fit so you're there's like not a whole lot to talk about but they keep going through the process um typically virginia gets their kids early right you i mean i remember ty jerome they got him so early like anytime i would put a picture of him up somebody would make a joke about how young he was or how little he was i mean and then the dude grew you know three four inches and you know the rest is history um but it certainly seems like you know that relationship is good and and like for whatever reason, that's they want to go through their process. I don't think it has anything. I really honestly don't think it has anything to do with one specific school or a group of specific schools and offers. Like they have an idea of what this process is supposed to be, and they're going to stick to it. Um, that being said, like I wouldn't be surprised if sometimes sometimes when you make those plans, they change. And you know, the Hauser brothers coming on an official visit. Now, I'm not saying you know, I'm not jumping up and predicting anything. I'm just saying. It would it would not surprise me because sometimes the same place sometimes the same thinking that gets you the process will also get you out of the process if that makes any sense. Uh, recruiting wise, is there a grad transfer out there that either of you guys have heard about, seen, think UVA should go after? Because I don't I don't know, man. Like I I I don't see a lot on the market right now. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like I've gone through the list multiple times and. There are some guys that interest me, and Virginia has not shown any interest, at least publicly, um, or even on, on our s- super secret chats that you guys should pay money to see. Um, <laughs> the uh, like, there's just not a whole lot of buzz there, right? Um, I think Pierce from Wave of Mary is going to announce tomorrow, uh, and Virginia's not there. Pretty uh, sure he's a Millen. <laughs> Millen was the other Wave of Mary guy, right? Who I think that's his name. Um, I think he ended up going to Central Florida, so. It, like there's there's some weird stuff going on. I, I don't <clears throat> don't want to get people off freaked out because I really do not know anything. And Brad may shut me down really quick. But the fact that there's some solid guys who you think Virginia would be a good traction with, and they haven't really gotten their gotten in the ring or you know gotten any interest there, makes me think there's something going on behind the scenes, which is why I'm not freaking out. Because yeah. I think that that is a very astute assessment, Mr. Spence. And we are not going to go into too much more than that right now. All right, one one quick thing before we wrap up. I do. I need. I have one more ad break. I got to do, and then we will f- wrap up. Um, Cap Scorner Podcast also brought to you tonight by Thorium Wealth. Uh, if you own a small business, um, you probably have a hard time 
finding partners that'll help you with the kinds of problems that you face every day. And Dave probably knows that pretty well. Um, Thorium Wealth is the business owner's financial partner. Data-driven personal service focused solely on the needs of small business owners makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that business owners face every single day. So unleash the power of Thorium Wealth to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information and full disclosures. That's thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to Thorium Wealth for their support of this show and all of CapsCorner.com. Yeah, I don't I, look. I don't think that it's any secret that UVA has been. I mean, like they they have been doing something right. They're they're not just like, you know, waiting for Johnny Jazang to to announce. Um, I think that they they would like him, and certainly you know they did a lot of work to try to, you know, to get him to come in 2019. I think there are other players. Jalen Bridges is one, a guy who showed out really well last weekend. A guy who. Interestingly enough, said that if he if he came to UVA early, he would redshirt, and seemed to be pretty cool with it, which I thought was an an, an interesting wrinkle. Seems odd you tied with scholarship for two years. Just saying, <laughs> would seem odd. Um, I just kind of think that it it does make it, you know it's funny because I'll ask people right all the the typical people that know things, and the answer consistently is the same, and I'm like, yeah, see, nah, uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't make yeah, I just don't know if I buy it. Now that being said. Um, not everybody is going to be on the same page. And so ultimately I think what you'll see Virginia do is some sort of, I, I, I think a grad transfer is the makes the most sense, but it might not necessarily be like a guy we know about, like just because there are, you know, the, you know, Borzellos and Goodmans of the world who, who seem to know every grad transfer doesn't mean they're going to know every grad transfer. Um, you know, I don't have X. I mean, I would love to have access to a portal, but I don't. Um, I'm pretty sure that would be some sort of violation of something. Yeah. Plus, you have guys in the draft who might like decide not to go in the draft, but grad transfer, or, you know, that kind of stuff happens from time to time. Um, so I just feel like um, the the scenario is it, it's so weird to like tell people like, hey, it's just it's going to work out, right? And I, I know I have the whole like let the process play out thing. I'm not saying that <laughs> for the record. I'm not I'm not there yet. Um, that that means something to people now, and I'm not going to do that because I don't want to ruin it. Not like the fearless prediction. Thanks a lot, Greg Stroman. Um, but I, I just I don't know, man. Like I I don't have any I don't, I don't have any I don't think there's any reason to be stressed. But also we're talking about UVA fans. So but but so far Dave's not hand wringing. So. Everything seems to be on the up and up, um, at least uh, for now. Ridiculous, man! Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else uh, this week for the uh, before we wrap up? Not really. Um, looking forward to more big plays from the guy without a number in the. And in I was the wondering if that come. joke was going to come back. What if what if the UVA basketball solution is to just have a dude and he doesn't wear a number and doesn't have a name on his jersey? That would be something. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast, if you found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. There was all this drama this week with podcasts and like whatever, and like I almost want to not send people to some apps now because apparently like they they don't give you the true download numbers, which is just not that's bad form podcast apps. Um, anyway, wherever it is you get your show, give us a, a rating or review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast has not given us a look, check us out CavsCorner.com. Right now, you can check out we had uh, a, a takeaways piece on spring ball. Um, obviously, recruiting you know Tommy Chris. Um, they got two grad transfers, so there's plenty of discussion all about that. Uh, I 
bunch of feature stories already this week. I talked to Garrett Touje about the offensive line and the development of the young kids. Had Wayne Talapapa talking about his journey and sort of, you know, kind of being the guy at running back right now. Jordan Mack, we didn't even mention. He had 55-yard pick six return in the spring game. Going to be back at the Buck full-time now, which I think sounds like a good move, and he sounds pretty excited about it. Um, so we got all that stuff and I'm pretty sure on the hoops front, you can probably expect a war room as you listen to this uh, in about 24 hours from now, basically Friday morning. Um, so again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. And I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.